0: Money starts right now. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Dami, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasslin, Brian Kelly. Tonight on Fast, the tech titan earnings bonanza, Alphabet, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, all on the move in the after-hours session on earnings. That's nearly $5 trillion in market cap combined. We've got full team coverage standing by on each of these names. John Ford is tackling Alphabet, Deidre Bosa on Amazon, Julia Borston digging in on Facebook. But let's start it off with the big breaking news on Apple. The company announcing a four-for-one stock split. Josh Lifton just spoke with CEO Tim Cook moments ago. Josh, what's the latest?
1: That's right, Mosin. as for why now with that fourth one stock split, Apple's saying it's to make the stock more accessible to a broader base of investors. If you look to the results, Apple easily beating here on the top and the bottom. iPhone revenue blowing past expectations to 26.4 billion. Street was closer to 22.4 billion. I did have the chance to catch up with Apple CEO Tim Cook. We talked about those iPhone demand trends and the mix in the quarter. Cook telling me iPhone 11 is the most popular iPhone, and we had a great launch, she says, on iPhone SE during the quarter. It was also very strong. We had a very nice uptick on a year-over-year basis in switchers, meaning Android switchers, that we were happy to see. And the iPhone SE is clearly helping with that. I did ask Cook, too, about those broader work-from-home trends. How is that benefiting Apple's products and services during the quarter? Cook says it definitely is. Uh, It definitely has boosted, Cook, saying Mac and iPad. We both... We see both of those likely picking up share, and in addition, being a tool of choice for their productivity. And so we've won several school bids for iPads, and you can definitely see the strength of the Mac numbers. And when you combine those, we have the strongest product lineup in both Mac and iPads. That we've ever had it's the combination of those things coming together at the same time that are producing the results and we did ask uh, cook too about china i asked him what are business trends like in china during the quarter cook telling us they did grow two percent in real dollars but on a constant currency basis they actually grew six percent so we definitely saw china sort of come back into a big increase from where it was in the quarter before where the shutdowns took place and remember, in China, those stores have remained open. It's not like here in the U.S. We saw stores open and then fairly quickly have to reclose due to those COVID-19 spikes. I asked uh, Cook in China, does he think that made a difference? And he says it had, telling us, I think getting the stores open again in China was key. We now have about 75 percent of our stores open in the world. And we're hoping, as I'm sure everybody is, that the pandemic gets under control. And I'm hoping that we can reopen those here in the U.S. soon. That conference call is kicking off right now. Melissa back.
0: Do you think we'll hear about the timing of a 5G phone launch?
1: Well, you know, Tim Cook does not uh, tip his hand to what's coming uh, down, down the pike in his portfolio, Melissa, like some of his peers. So I, I think it's going to be hard to get some details. I'm sure analysts are going to look for any kind of color, any kind of commentary about whether that um, annual iPhone launch is on track or at least largely on track. I think a lot of investors think, listen, if it was delayed by a month or two, they wouldn't be too worried. They might mm-hmm. start getting worried uh, if it meant those phones wouldn't be on the shelves in time for the holidays. Of course, even if they are, the big question is what is demand going to be like for those phones? Maybe we'll soon find out. Yep.
0: Josh, thank you. Josh Lipton on Apple. Guy, Dom, we will go to you first. High expectations going into this quarter, and yet we have the stock here higher on the back of this.
2: Incredible. I mean, Josh went through the numbers. The one that sticks out to me, you know, consumer services, the revenue is now 22 percent of their overall revenue, and that's trending in the right direction. And, you know, Tim can speak to this. That's why they're getting the multiple they probably deserve. Uh, it's interesting, the last week, I think it was the 24th, and look, I'll be, I was on record saying I thought the stock would trade back down to 3.25. You'd get another opportunity to buy it at that prior all-time high. But on that day, you know, the stock was trading in the mid-350s. It was down precipitously over the, a few trading days, and now here we are again. So what do I think going forward? Ridiculous quarter in a good way. The 4-for-1 split, I think this is the fifth split now they've done in their history. My sense is, given it's going to happen at the end of August, You know, the stock probably meanders either side of 400 until then, but there's nothing not to like about this quarter,
3: Melissa. Tim? These services numbers, yeah. I mean, they're extraordinary. Not just 22%. They grew 15%. Uh, if you think about it, it's, a sick, it's almost a, it's a $56, 57000000000 billion company on its own on an annualized basis. Uh, the $198 billion of cash is something that's very important. I, I think the ability of this company uh, to use their balance sheet and to create value for shareholders is something that continues to be uh, at least underestimated. Uh, in terms of the multiple, yeah, I mean, you put it probably at 25 times next 12 months on the services, iPhones at about 16 times, Mac at about 11 times, uh, other, uh, other products somewhere around 12 times. This, you, know, you, can, you can rationalize uh, a 22, 23 times forward multiple, which at this point, look, I think the street's going to be rushing to upgrade this one. Uh, but back to what Guy said in terms of the price move. What makes it so extraordinary is of the four big stocks that were reported in the after hours, Apple was truly the one, in my view, that was the most uh, offsides in terms of just how far it had run. Uh, from June of 2019 to this move in the after hours, you're talking about a 160 percent move. It's just nothing short of extraordinary. So the expectations were high coming in uh, and these guys beat it. a so it's a very big afternoon.
0: Tim was mentioning upgrades on the street. Brian Kelly, can we upgrade a stock if the stock yep. if the company does not give guidance for the rest of the year?
4: Well, yeah, I think you can. I mean, people will. Um, people are going to start anticipating whether or not that 5G phone's going to come out. They're also going to try to start anticipating whether or not that this, you know, the the growth in this quarter, you know, was it a one-time thing where people are at home, they had to buy iPads, they had to buy new Macs, because all of a sudden now their kids are learning online. Uh, and is that sustainable? I personally think it is. I think you're seeing a real shift here. So I do think, you know, people are going to come out and start saying "There's, I mean, there's nothing really wrong with this. So, um, you know, I think people upgrade this. The one thing I would say in general, though, is, you know, it, with, this is very clear about across the board with earnings tonight, is that, number one, you never bet against the American consumer, even in the middle of a pandemic. And then, number two, a lot of people have said, hey, the stock market is disconnected from the economy. We had a negative 32 percent GDP <clears throat> print today, and these tech companies just crushed
0: it. So the American consumer, consumer is
4: still alive and well. And
0: the American trader. Well, you've been talking about Robinhood and the popularity yes. of the retail investor. And here Apple goes splitting four for one, Steve Grosso, And theoretically, this is at an opportune time in terms of the attention being paid to the stock market and to stocks specifically by retail traders who are in there for the first time.
5: Well, but, but to that point, it, it's a little bit uh, conspicuous. Why would they do this when you could buy fractional shares with any online broker right now. So I'm a little shocked at that. But to Guy's point, stocks will run into a stock split. That's number one. Think about, though, where the stock came from. It sold off 10% very recently. So they primed the pump going into this print. You had the consumer protection investigation that's coming up. You had antitrust yesterday. So these things were sort of like a balloon or or a beach ball being held underwater and it seems like they all popped for me though i sold my large cap tech because i thought that the market was going to be selling off market sells off all these names drag you down tomorrow we're going to be positive but i still think that sell-off is coming i would be uh... taking profits right now i don't want to get back into large cap tech just yet
0: and speaking of those new to trading at home guy let's do a little more you know you take one stock it's like a piece of oh, I cake. I love this you cut the cake in half and you still eat Where's the well, I music? Mean, it's, it's the same. It's the same piece of cake. It just cut Thank up you. in different pieces. The I, same <laughs> amount of calories, same amount of fat that you're consuming, theoretically. And,
2: and, and, and we shouldn't have to say this, and I'm not trying to speak down to anybody at all, but it's worth uh, mentioning that the stock will be cheaper in terms of price, right. but it's not a cheaper stock. And I know, I, listen, I, I say mm-hmm. it because I think we have to. And, and I understand what Steve just said, and my pushback would be just to take the other side. My sense is maybe one of the reasons they did it split four for one is for the exact reason Steve just mentioned. Maybe they're not all that enamored with the thought of fractional shares. I don't know. It's just a thought, but it's one you know, just to be the other side of that coin.
0: All right, let's get more on Apple. Bring in Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Gene, great to have you with us. Um, What stood out to
6: you? Well, really, let's take a step back. Apple had everything thrown in with this quarter in terms of what's going to happen with the iPhone, and that powered up... 2% year-over-year really surprised me. The overall businesses were expected around the Mac and the iPad, but that really shows, I think, the strength. And this company has just powerful tailwinds coming over the next few years, around 5G, wearables, AI autonomy. And so what really stood out to me is this ability to do as well as they are during the pandemic and this tailwind coming up. And I think that these results really stand above the other tech companies that we're reporting tonight.
0: Is there anything in this quarter, Gene, that would um, raise the ire of lawmakers who are looking to, you know, rein in Apple in any way?
6: Well, the App Store is a central focus. Yesterday, Mm -hmm. 20 percent of the questions uh, were directed towards Apple. They did uh, well relative to the other players. But those questions were almost entirely directed at the App Store. And I think there are some questions uh how apple navigates that but if you look at the other companies that were on capitol hill yesterday apple is by far in the best position the focus of these regulators is not apple right now it is clearly facebook and google and i think that that piece this uh the the what i believe is the reality of them having a lower potential impact from regulation in the years ahead because it will take years right i think that is yet another reason to own uh shares of apple and uh, Melissa, I put all of this together and think about what they just did specifically about the iPhone business. And then think about what is coming in the years ahead, the next two or three years, this cycle and 5G wearables like we talked about. I find it progressively more difficult to defend a multiple below what these other big tech companies are trading at. And I ultimately believe that Apple should not be penalized for its hardware business. I think this quarter is a great testimony to that. And uh, putting it together, I think this stock should be comfortably above $500.
0: Above $500 comfortably. All right, Jean, standby here. We do want to get on to Facebook. It's up 6.5%
7: after hours. Julia Borson joins us with the details. Julia. Well, Melissa, Facebook far surpassing expectations in terms of both revenue and earnings and also growing daily and monthly active users faster than analysts anticipated. The company ending the quarter with 247 billion people using one of Facebook's apps daily. That's up 15 percent from the year-ago quarter. Now, guidance is particularly important as investors want to know if the ad boycott will affect Facebook's bottom line. Facebook's saying that revenue in the first three weeks of July grew 10 percent from the year earlier period. That's in line with the second quarter growth rate. Facebook saying that they expect that ad revenue growth to continue through the third quarter. Now that 10% revenue growth exceeds expectations. Facebook's saying that outlook reflects economic uncertainty. The expectation that the recent surge in engagement will normalize and the impact of the boycott, also noting headwinds from regulation that minimizes Facebook's ability to target and measure ads. Now, Melissa, while Facebook's guidance might be higher without the boycott, this does show that the impact of the boycott is not as great as many analysts feared. In the release, Mark Zuckerberg pointing to Facebook's relationship with small businesses, indicating how much more important Facebook's millions of small business advertisers are than the big ones that are boycotting Facebook. Melissa?
0: Julia, thank you. Uh, Julia Borson with the latest on Facebook. So the results show us uh, that users did not go away and advertisers, the chunk of their advertisers, the small, medium-sized businesses, didn't go away either. So all the things that we were pointing to Grasso in terms of why Facebook may emerge unscathed from all of this negative attention is coming to fruition.
5: Uh, Yeah, and I never thought that the advertisers would leave because they have only a handful of choices They have to stay, so they do what is right uh, uh, public relations-wise. But this stock is just back to where it was uh, two weeks ago. So when you look at the the bounce that we've seen, once again, it was the type of thing where large-cap tech sold off. But for me, ultimately, how can they make anyone happy? This country seems like it's uh, as polarized as it's ever been. So whatever they do, they're going to make 50% of the people happy and 50% of the people mad. So ultimately, I think they fall short, but I think they've done an incredible job at threading the needle. And obviously, the stock is reflecting that.
0: Tim?
3: Well, look, jobless claims, continuous, continuing claims this morning were not good. Uh, everybody knows those GDP numbers, which were kind of cartoonish. So SMBs are, are not in any way out of the woods here. So, you know, the, the spending that we've seen out of the consumer uh, is, is you know, the sugar high from dessert. And, and, and I, I will say, I still think Facebook has a lot of pressure on them from advertisers. I don't, yes, they, there may be limits to where they can go in social media. And SMBs, who I think are beleaguered at this point, um, are really the place to focus but I, i don't think advertisers are just doing this for lip service and and for showtime uh, and I do think that this is something that's going to continue to be a headwind to the stock. So I, I've been you know, less than bullish on Facebook. Um, you know, I don't think that's been an awful call. Uh, I think the stock continues to have a cap on its multiple. And I do think that some of the issues around corporate governance are things that are still going to be difficult for this company. These were great numbers. The expectations and the noise around the company certainly would have made this a bit of a relief. These this, these DAU and MAU numbers uh, growing, you know, kind of mid or certainly low to mid single uh, team. Is, is extraordinary for a company this size. But the, you know the, the real tests have yet to come for Facebook. Let's be clear. We, we have not seen the test yet.
4: BK? Yeah, so I mean, actually, yeah, I would take the other side on that on the small and medium businesses. I, they don't break out the numbers for Instagram, but I can just tell you from anecdotally talking to folks that run smaller businesses, they've had to pivot to digital, to online, and they've been running ads on Instagram. And I can tell you on my Instagram feed, I see a lot more ads than I have in the last couple of years. And those are working. And so you're seeing that while, yes, you had this big PR issue with major companies pulling away, I think it's a necessity for the small and medium businesses out there to be advertising now and trying to drum up some business. So, I, I, you know, I, I, there's nothing wrong with this quarter again. We can, we're going to say that about every stock that reported tonight. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with this quarter. And Facebook showed, even in July, they mentioned, listen, our ads are up 10%. And that's when everybody started to boycott them or pull off the platform. So I still think there's growth
0: out there. Is BTC Baller your Instagram handle, BK? I think the world wants to know.
4: <laughs> BTC Baller? Is that my... <laughs> no, no,
0: no. Guy, you're wondering that, right? I'm, I'm quiet no, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I just lurk. Oh, okay. That's that's good to know. Um,
8: Let's get to Amazon
0: now. (laughs) Shares are jumping in the after-hours session. Deidre Brooks has got the details. Hey,
8: Melissa, Amazon delivering on extremely high expectations. The company had warned Wall Street that COVID expenses might lead to a loss. Instead, notching $5.2 billion in net income. Just got off the phone with Amazon CFO Brian Olsowski, who attributed the income beat to a few things. One, capacity. Two, a shift in mixture. Less essentials like groceries and consumables that aren't as profitable. And more, quote unquote, normal stuff. He also said that strength in AWS and advertising helped. So Amazon basically anticipated that it would take longer for consumers to start shopping for non-essentials as for the third quarter forecast two to five billion dollars in operating income is forecast Olsavsky says that they spent over nine billion dollars in CAPEX in Q2 most of that towards logistics and transportation so that will be coming online as well as additional spending in the quarter that we're currently in now in terms of the different businesses There were, and I guess we could call them softer spots, AWS growth year over year falling below the 30% mark and slightly missing the street's expectations. But AWS is back to its historical high operating margin on the plus side physical store sales, they were actually down 13%. This was a big miss in terms of expectations, and that's mostly made up of Whole Foods, the grocery unit. But I do believe that online sales get notched elsewhere, so that may account for the drop. Elsewhere, guys, this company just continues to fire on all cylinders. We'll be on the call, which kicks off at 5.30. Back to you.
0: Keep us posted, Deidre. Thank you. Debo, as we like to call her. Um, We sort of knew AWS (laughs) would come on a little bit softer because of what Microsoft said about cloud revenues. Um, Third-party seller services, that was interesting, seeing that big 52% pop, especially uh, after they were grilled about stifling competition from third-party sellers yesterday, Guy Adami. So that was sort of a nice uh, dig back at Congress.
2: Yeah, AWS softer, but the Deirdre's point, she nailed it. I mean, you look at the operating margins overall, I think they came in at 6.6 percent. For Just for context, the street was looking like for 1.5 percent. So they more than made up for it in other spaces. And just think about this for a second. Amazon has something they call other, one of their revenue lines Mm -hmm. is other. That line is over $4 billion in revenue. It's just remarkable in terms of the scope and the size of these numbers. And, you know, one of the things we had talked about was this pretty precipitous sell-off in Amazon, which I thought happened on the back of the Walmart announcement, probably set Amazon up well into this quarter. Now it's interesting to see if we take out that prior all-time high that we seemingly just made a month or so ago.
0: Grassov.
5: Yeah, so when I look at the chart here, I go back to uh, July 13th, you get that, that price of uh, 33.44. Then you go to 7.21, you get $32, uh, 32.40. And the reason why I say that is that if we cannot hold above that, you just have lower highs. And if AWS is slowing, that's the growth engine in this stock. So I would think that if the market fails, I think you're gonna see the 50-day moving average That's 13% lower from here, and that's the setup that I'm seeing in the chart. I'm looking for lower on a day where everyone is extremely high on the clouds.
0: Brian
1: Kelly?
4: Yeah, so there's two things that stuck out to me in the Amazon quarter. Number one was that it took a shorter amount of time from people to buy necessities to regular things. And I think that's a permanent shift. I think it's something where people had to go online to get stuff that they want. And they said, hey, you know what? This is pretty easy. We're going to continue to do it. The second part of that is their paid unit growth, which is basically what is a fancy term for stuff you sold out there on the Internet. Um, That was up 57 percent. So that was a huge, huge number. So, again, not much wrong with this. AWS, yeah, it's weaker. If you want to be picky about it, that's probably the case. But not to get too far ahead of us, there's another company out there that actually cloud grew. So maybe it's just a competition thing as well.
0: Paid unit growth accelerating 57 percent. And by the way, that was the fastest pace in a decade for Amazon. So this was a standout number um, by many accounts.
3: Yeah, and again, so it shows where they diversified and, and, and putting some numbers behind what BK said about what people are buying in terms of normal goods, not just grocery. Uh, but. You know, folks, global e-commerce penetration right now is mid-teens. Okay. I realize that the U.S. is in, in, in the low 30s, but it's going to be 35% in a couple of years. I mean, the, to, to think about the growth that's still ahead of Amazon and how far ahead they are. But what they're doing right now is they're investing in, in other growth areas. And that is groceries. That's health and pharma. That's India. Uh, they're putting a lot of this profit right back into the business, and they're going to be here again. So when you think about the opportunity and all the things that we're talking about that have been fast-forwarded from COVID-19, it's hard to it's hard to, to not see Amazon still having this kind of growth and their ability to switch on the operating income, especially when they can save money through different through different times is, is really impressive. So, um, I, like Apple and Amazon were the ones coming into this that had the most to prove. Uh, and, and they clearly both proved the most.
0: Let's get to the fourth tech titan with earnings out. Alphabet John Fort's got the details. John.
9: Yeah, Melissa, I think BK was just referencing Google's cloud growth. So I do want to get to that in a, a moment. But first, I want to talk about the the advertising business overall. That, of course, was suffering. It was down. That's why I think uh, Alphabet is up the least of the earnings beats today. Uh- CFO Ruth Porat called it a fragile uh, macroeconomic environment, but said that she's cautiously encouraged by the results here. Let me focus in on cloud specifically. She she did say to expect headcount growth, uh, the rate to decelerate, but said we are hiring aggressively uh, in priority areas. We still expect headcount to seasonally uh, be higher as uh, they bring on New graduates. So, I mean, that's good news for the economy, I suppose. They're still going to uh, hire new graduates. Also, talking more specifically about cloud on the call, Sundar Pichai was saying we had many large customers come onto cloud, pointing out telco and banking specifically, uh, and, and name checking Deutsche Bank. Uh, cloud was up about 43 percent, cracked three billion dollars. It was up about a quarter billion quarter to quarter. And uh, Ruth Porat telling me that they're on track to triple the the sales, uh, the size of the sales force uh, under Thomas Kurian, which was a a goal that he outlined to me months ago. They're continuing to invest there because they are seeing that growth where some other businesses perhaps not growing as much, guys.
0: All right. John, thanks. John Fort. Uh, Brian Kelly, we'll go to you. This sounds like cloud is about to get a lot more competitive, even more so than it already was.
4: Yeah, I think that's probably if there's a if there's a negative takeaway to this, you know, looks like Google maybe stole some market share from Amazon, maybe stole some market share from Microsoft, potentially, uh, which means that, you know, you're going to have probably. Thinner margins on that because it's going to be a lot more competitive. So um, if anything, if you want to say there's something negative about these earnings reports, that's probably the cautionary tale. I suspect that takes a couple quarters to play out before investors really start to get concerned about that because the other parts were, were growing so well. The other thing is, is you know, YouTube subscribers, that they really need to see that grow as well. That could be another engine that that turns on.
0: Should we make much, Tim, of um, the small stock advance that we're seeing in shares of Alphabet versus the others?
3: Um, you know, I, I think you've got a case where, uh, it, first of all, they're, they're, all of these stocks largely, and Steve's talked a little bit about how, you know, maybe it was three weeks ago that most of these stocks had peaked. I think you have a case where, um, look, we, we've had extraordinary run in all of these stocks. Alphabet is, is you know, certainly traded Cheap relative to, to to Apple, relative to Amazon, and I mean relative in terms of a, a PEG ratio. It doesn't get the most bang for its buck. There are reasons for that. I think in the past there's been a lot of transparency issues. Frankly, I give Ruth Porat a lot of credit for bringing a lot of transparency to the bi- the different business lines. And and on calls like this is exactly when I think investors get a little bit more comfortable with with Google from a corporate governance perspective. So uh, I'm long I'm long Google. I'm long Alphabet, uh, whatever we want to call it. I don't think I've ever called it uh, Alphabet on TV before. So I love Google. I'm going to stay long Google. And I like this multiple. And
0: that is, of course, the Alphabet. Steve Grasso, which would you be most inclined to buy right here, right now, since you did get out of your big tech positions?
5: You, you know, it's funny. I was actually going to do a would-you-rather large-cap tech on earnings, but I thought you would smack me around a little bit. Of course you bit. were. Yeah, I would. So um, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> if,
5: if, if I was inclined to be a buyer of anything, I'd go back into Apple. I, you know, I want to see how it settles in after that four-for-one stock split announcement and the fact that everyone always tried to use the hardware angle as a headwind and now that's clicking and that 46.3 billion that they earn in services is always the tailwind, that's the one I'd be most inclined to get back in if it settles in in price.
0: But taking a look at all these stock moves in the after-hour session, Guy, this is extraordinary in terms of the amount of market cap Mm. moving at this very moment. This is the market tomorrow that you're getting a glimpse of tonight.
2: It's 35% of the NASDAQ whatever index, right? I'm, I think that's it's, it's ridiculous in terms of the scope. Yes. Na- thank you. I knew, I don't know why I couldn't come up with a number one. At any rate, it's, it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. And to play the would you rather, rather, rather game that you just teed up Love for Steve. Listen, Google actually on. scares me a little here. You know, this 1550 level-ish is where we sort of topped out back in February. We're bumping up against it now you got to look at that very closely. I think out of the four of them, though, I think Facebook probably has the most room to the upside. And it doesn't make me happy to say it because I've said 100 times I really loathe everything about the platform, but it's hard not to like the stock. So I think Facebook really sets up well here. Do
0: these reports, do these after-hours moves, Brian Kelly, make you more bullish Hmm. about the NASDAQ and about the S&P 500 for that matter because these companies are basically the S&P 500 um, for the back half?
4: So this is a tough question. So the the answer is yes, it makes me bullish with a caveat. My biggest concern is Mm -hmm. we come in tomorrow and you've got good news and bad price Mm. action. That's something that I would be very concerned about. It feels awful euphoric. Is it as good as it gets right now? I I don't think that's the case, but I'll just put that caveat out there. You know, people at home that are trading, watch for good news, bad price action.
0: I mean, opening at the highs and not seeing them... At all for the rest of the session, Tim, I mean, that that seems like that would be in the books as as terrible price action.
3: It's possible. Look, this is this after hours is like going to a music festival and seeing the Beatles, the Stones, the Who uh, and Led Zeppelin and them all playing their best songs. uh, And the crowd, you know, wondering if this is all all you can get. And, And in fact, I think you can get more.
0: All right. We've got lots more coming your way here on Fast Money. Amazon's call is about to get started. Apple's call already underway. We're listening in. We'll bring you all the highlights. And it's not just tech. There are other big names on the move in the after hour session. We'll break down the results from Ford, Shake Shack, and much more. Plus, this earnings name soaring to an all-time high today. We'll tell you what it is and what drove this rally when Fast Money returns. The earnings keep rolling in. Check out shares of Ford rallying after hours. Let's get to Phil LeBeau in Chicago with the details. Hey, Phil.
10: Hey, Melissa. The reason they're moving higher is because Ford reported a smaller loss than expected. Now, let's be clear. The company lost $1.9 billion in the second quarter. At uh, 36 cents a share or 35 cents a share, that was far better than what analysts were expecting. They were expecting a loss of at least a buck 17 a share. Automotive revenue coming in a little bit better than expected. That's not a surprise given the fact that we knew there would be strong demand once the factories fired up again starting in early May. And that's what happened there. They ended Q2 with $39 billion in cash on hand. And they're saying, look, even if there's a resurgence of COVID-19, which nobody is expecting at this point, They've got enough cash to make it through that and get through the rest of this year. This week, they repaid $7.7 billion on their credit lines. That's a strong indication of how they feel about their cash position. Their guidance for the third quarter, a profit of between a half billion and $1.5 billion. Part of that is because the launches that were expected in the third quarter, those vehicle launches are now in the fourth quarter. So Ford expects to have a loss in the fourth quarter because of those vehicle launches. One of those vehicles that we're going to be talking about, we're going to talk with CFO Tim Stone tomorrow morning, first on CNBC, on Squawk on the Street. You don't want to miss this interview. We'll talk not only about a smaller-than-expected loss, but how Ford has positioned itself now to perhaps, perhaps we can say the turnaround is starting to take hold there. Little early to say that definitively, Melissa, but that's, this is the most encouraging I think I've heard analysts uh, and the conference call that's going on yeah. right now in a long time.
0: I mean, they're talking about, what, 100,000 reservations for the new Bronco SUV right. already, so there's right. huge pent-up and, yeah. demand for that.
10: Yeah. I, look, do I think there's demand for the Bronco? You bet. Do I think it'll do well? Absolutely. But these reservations, when a new vehicle is introduced, come on, Melissa, it's easy for you and I to say, yeah, give me $100, put it down there. You know, I don't right. read too much into it. Tell me what happens when they actually deliver All right,
0: Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau, again, four chairs are at 2%. We do want to draw your attention to the headline that crossed your screen on the bottom, which is that the uh, 5G iPhone could be delayed by a few weeks, according to Tim Cook, This because of supply delays. We sort of expected – I just want to get to this quickly before we trade forward. We sort of expected this, given what Qualcomm said in their release, that they saw an impact on their outlook because of a partial delay of a flagship 5G phone – it doesn't take much to assume that that is Apple guy, but um, as long as maybe they hit the, the store shelves, so to speak, by the holidays, it's all OK, huh?
2: Yeah. Look, if that's the worst thing that he says today, I mean, that's a huge win. So I, I think to your earlier point, after hearing what Qualcomm said and sort of reading the tea leaves, I don't think this was all that unexpected.
0: All right. Let's get back to Ford here. Steve Grosso, this is a favorite. Mm. I think it's the number one holding of Robinhood investors.
5: Yeah, I mean, this is uh, if you look at the stock price, obviously down 27 percent. It's been beat on. I was one of those people that put down the hundred dollars. I'm a sucker for the Bronco. Uh, reminds me of my youth. I I, I put the hundred dollars down. I, unlike uh, Phil, being so pessimistic, I will take delivery of that Bronco once it does come due. Um, but if you look at it on a technical level, you're caught between the 200 day, which is 719, and the 50 day, which is 634. I think it's a great entry for the stock right now that's been so beaten on. And the COVID low was $4. I think Mm -hmm. you're okay to be buying Ford here.
0: All right, let's get to another uh, couple of names that reported today. Um, UPS topping the tape, surging nearly 15%, hitting a fresh all-time high. The company reporting a spike in home delivery numbers during the coronavirus. Tim, this is your final trade yesterday.
3: Yeah, well, the squirrel gets a nut once in a while. You know, I I think the the revenue mix was something people were very concerned about with UPS because of the retail shift, uh, a lack of B2B, and and these numbers were good. Uh, The margins there are good. You know, the the, the trend here has certainly been uh, very, very strong for both the shippers, both UPS and and FedEx. So uh, I I think if you look at the margin profile, uh, it's something that you still have to watch right now. And, And when you consider the COVID the COVID rush, what this has actually meant for these guys. If anything, uh, this has been a blessing in disguise and have forced them to raise their game a little bit, it, which is amazing despite the fact that Guy Dami is no longer driving for UPS, um, which, you know, obviously they need him during these very busy times. Maybe but, they uh, don't. Great numbers by UPS. May, I
0: mean, well, they're up 14%. <laughs> maybe they have no use for Guy Dami in these COVID times.
2: How could they not? How do you know that? Not? You know, let me tell you, if, if you prick me, do I not bleed? That hurts. I have feelings, too. Oh, Hard to on. believe. And actually, I got a
0: call from... Thank you yeah, for the yeah, baby. Yeah, and and wham, Thanks wham. for the baby cry. Extended I
2: got baby. a call from UPS last week, I'm actually, sure. and they asked me to because come back. They asked me if I'd be interested pick in picking up some right. shifts. Yeah, wise guy. So yeah, there you go. Maybe sure. that's why the stock spiked.
0: All right, let's get to shares of Procter & Gamble. <laughs> also topping the tape today, the company posting its largest <laughs> annual sales gain since 2006 strength in the home care unit. That's like dishwashing detergent and all that kind of stuff. All the stuff you do at home, laundry detergent, BK. Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, hygiene, right? I mean, it, it, this one was a no brainer. Not only that, is that, you know, in early in the pandemic, in most places, it was really difficult to get these products. So people bought extra, they hoarded, they put it in their pantry. So, and I still think that actually could happen a bit. I, I'm not convinced that we are done with COVID. I mean, Phil mentioned that Ford is not thinking of, they're thinking that there's not going to be a resurgence. And that's not my view at all. I think this this fall we could have another very big resurgence. So uh, I think this would actually go right into Procter & Gamble. Not only that, let's remember, we've had a pretty weak dollar. Procter & Gamble multinational should do fairly well.
0: Is there any concern that uh, if the economy gets rough, that people aren't going to be paying up for, uh, you know, Cascade or, or some of these other brands and they'll, they'll sort of down go down market, so to speak, in terms of price, Steve?
5: Yeah, I think people buy, to BK's point, when people were hoarding, when you go into these stores, you buy anything that's on the shelf. And if they don't have a Procter & Gamble product, you buy whatever is there. But obviously, stock price, people reach for that. Investors reach for what they know, and they know Procter.
0: This is a PE of 74. Guy, do you, do you pay a PE of 74 for uh, the seller of toilet paper company. and deter? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a higher multiple than, than Apple.
2: Yeah, Look, I mean, forward. I think forward. If you look at it against next year's earnings, to your point about trailing, I mean, it's a twenty trading 20, 25, twenty-five times next yeah. year's numbers, which, you know, it's it's expensive. I mean, to your point, it's not cheap, but it hasn't been cheap for a while. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it probably made an all or close to an all-time high today. So people are definitely paying up out on the risk curve and the, and the valuation curve, which is fine. And so your point, it's not, and that's not meant to be glib, but there will come a day when we look at each other and say, can you imagine people paying close to 30 times forward earnings for Procter & Gamble? We'll be shaking our heads, Mm. but we're not in that kind of market right now.
0: Tim, you like this? Quick.
3: Well, actually, I was just thinking if I came home with anything less than Cascade, my wife would leave me. So I, when I come home with with like white label brands, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, I, you know, Procter and Gamble loves me. I think the multiple <laughs> is absurd. But this multiple has been absurd for two years. OK, didn't just take covid for the stock to actually not make sense on valuation. So um, I, I wouldn't buy it, but I wouldn't short it.
0: All right. Coming up. More on the breaking news on Apple. The company to launch its next iPhone later than expected. More headlines from the company's call straight ahead. Plus, we're gearing up for Under Armour. The company reports tomorrow will bring you the trade when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. It is the busiest day of earnings season. Check out shares of MGM, Gilead, Expedia, Shake Shack, all on the move after hours. A few of their CEOs will join us on CNBC tomorrow. Shake Shack CEO Randy Garudi will be first on CNBC 8.15 a.m. Eastern Time. He'll be followed by Expedia Group CEO Peter Kern, who will join Squawk on the street at 10 a.m. Eastern for an exclusive interview. And, of course... We're keeping track of the big tech reports: Apple, Amazon, Alphabet. Those calls are underway. Facebook's getting ready for theirs. We'll bring you the very latest. Don't go anywhere. Much more fast money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. The busiest week of earnings season is not over yet. Under Armour reports before the bell tomorrow. Options traders are betting that the sportswear name could be about to break out of its slump. Mike Coe has the action. Hey, Mike.
5: Hi, Melissa. So we did see about double the average put volume today, but still calls outpaced puts by about two to one. Right now, the options market is implying a move of about 12.5% after they report earnings tomorrow. That's larger than about the 10% that it has averaged over the last eight quarters. The most active options. Where the 10.5 strike calls that expire this week and next, the ones that expire tomorrow, we're trading for about 50 cents. So the buyers of those calls were risking about 5% of the stock price to make a bullish bet that the earnings news will be good enough to propel the stock to new highs.
0: All right. Thank you, Mike for that quick programming note here. Um, CEO Patrick Frisk will be on CEO, CNBC for an exclusive interview tomorrow, at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, so let's trade it. Uh, I think it was a week ago or so, uh, the company... Uh, had made public the, the fact that a couple of uh, executives got Wells notices, which indicates that there could be further SEC action against the company, Tim. Um, do you like Under Armour? You yeah. own Nike.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm very much a Nike fan. And, and it's 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 without implicating under Armour here without knowing anything other than the Wells notice that they received three days ago um, uh, Nike is is you know the, the the level of corporate governance that I think investors have expected from Nike is part of the reason why the stock trades at a premium uh, in under Armour there have been a number of issues frankly over the last few years but there's been mass turnover in the c-suite that if anything that that sends a message so no I'm not a fan of under Armour I haven't been for a long time uh, and I think the ubiquity in the sector or at least something that they helped bring upon their own brand is something that also you know just just bothers me about the stock
0: yeah Steve your your top pick in this space
5: Uh well, well obviously Nike is the best in breed uh, brand but when you look at the two charts Nike seems to be rolling over Under Armour is off the bottom Under Armour was considerably less a couple of months ago this seems like the Robin Hood like traders are reaching for Under Armour because they can get a lot more bang for their buck so if I had to choose one it would be Under Armour right now on a technical setup
0: All right. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show. That's tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, shares of Apple and Amazon on the move with those earnings calls underway. All the big headlines from the calls. And speaking of earnings, the CEO of Kirk, Dr. Pepper, sitting down with Jim Cramer to discuss the company's earnings report. That is on Mad Money tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Meantime, much more Fast Money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's revisit the big tech earnings after hours. Alphabet, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, all higher. Apple's calls underway. Let's get to Josh Lipton for the very latest. Josh.
1: So, Melissa, Apple is not providing guidance, but CFO Luca Maestri on the call is providing some color about when we should expect those new products. Take a listen.
6: On iPhone, we expect to see recent performance continue for our current pro- product lineup including the strong customer response for iPhone SE. In addition, as you know, last year we started selling new iPhones in late September. This year, we project supply to be available a few weeks later. We expect the rest of our products categories to have strong year-over-year performance.
1: And so there's the key part there. A few weeks later, obviously, there was a lot of hot talk when those new iPhones uh, would arrive, whether they'd be delayed. Investors never were too worried about whether they'd be uh, delayed somewhat. They just wanted to make sure that they would be on the shelves in time for the holidays. And uh, Luca Maestri seeming to imply that they would be. A couple other just key stats here from uh, Tim Cook in his presentation talking about wearables. The Apple Watch, he called out 75% of customers purchasing that watch in the June quarter were new. Obviously, that would uh, potentially imply a lot of Runway ahead. He also talked about the Mac, very strong performance relative to expectations. Same with iPad, by the way, highest June quarter revenue in eight years. About half of the Mac and iPad buyers were also new to those products. Clearly, some benefit there from Apple from those work and learn from home trends, Melissa.
0: Well, think they just um, increase their base, right, in terms of the flywheel for for sales of services by bringing in these new customers. But Josh, I'm just I'm just wondering, is it assumed that the the product delay that Maestri was talking about is the 5G phone and not another version of an iPhone?
1: You know, he is he is not calling out what model of iPhone there. I mean, it's assumed that the iPhones that are coming September uh, will be 5G enabled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. The question then is if he's talking about those phones and they do hit the shelves, I think the even bigger question is what is demand for those devices really going to be like? Um, the consumer is facing some economic turbulence. You'll hear analysts talk about how even by the end of the year, they think 5G coverage, at least in the U.S., will be spotty. So we'll have to see how demand ultimately really plays out.
0: All right, Josh, thanks. Um, let's bring back in Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Gene. Um, You know, I'm thinking as as Congress is sort of hammering out a new fiscal stimulus plan, and we don't know about the enhanced unemployment. But I mean, I don't know how much that helped Apple sell iPads and other things. Um, But is that a concern at all?
6: No, there's something bigger going on here. I think we can focus on the results that just came out tonight. They were impressive but really what's going to happen in the next 6, 12, and 24 months, and that really is what jumped out at me on the earnings call here tonight. This is beyond any sort of stimulus activity, and I want to point to two things. One is that the company is continuing to build its products and getting the key products out essentially on time. Yes, Sorry sorry
0: to interrupt, Gene, but, I mean, to, to Josh's point in terms of if you build it, will they buy it? I mean, is there going to be that demand for the 5G phone when they release it at that time? Is it assumed that the economy is going to be good enough that people will have jobs in order to buy these phones later later on, especially as we see COVID resurgences, not just in the U.S., but around the world.
6: So the, the reason why the iPhone can continue to be strong, and Tim Cook made a surprising comment on the earnings call. Usually he doesn't really give guidance beyond uh, at all recently, but beyond a quarter. And what he said was that there's pent-up demand for iPhone. And this impacts whether it's a 5G iPhone or not a 5G. And he mentioned that the installed base around the world for iPhones is long in the tooth. Essentially, consumers have been holding on to their phones longer. And he said that should have a favorable impact on iPhone growth going forward. And so what that translates to is yes, iPhone 5G in its initial year in the US is probably gonna be a disappointment relative to some expectations. But that doesn't change the bigger picture here, is that they have committed customers and they have this massive install base that has Mm -hmm. been holding on to their phones longer. They're going to upgrade. And this is I've covered Apple for a long time. We're sitting in front of what could be a two or three year cycle.
0: All right, Gene, stand by. I want to get a comment here on Apple. So this implies a huge uh, upgrade cycle that's about to take place, Guy.
2: Well, especially when all of a sudden, magically, your iPhone gets slower and you're looking at it like, what's going on? And then everybody parades into the the Apple stores. Guy, you don't have an iPhone. What's wrong with my phone? Ah, Nothing. No, I actually do. I think I have the (laughs) iPhone 6. It works pretty well for me, but I'm not their target demo. In terms of the stock, I think, again, until, until I think it's August 24th is a split date. You know, I think the stock's going to trade either side of 400 into that date, you know, whether it's 410 down to 390. And I think magically that's what we'll end up on on the stock split day.
0: All right, Gene, thank you. We appreciate thank all you. your good analysis. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Um, we do want to get to Amazon. The call is underway. Let's get to Deidre Bosa with the early headlines. Deidre.
8: Hey, Melissa, and let's get right to CFO Brian Olssofsky telling us why this quarter is different than traditional Q2s. Have a listen.
5: Q2 is typically our lightest volume quarter for the retail business. That's not the case this year,
6: but what that's meant
5: is that we can flex into space normally used for second-half peak demand. This led to strong operating leverage in Q2. As we move towards peak in the second half of the year, we will ramp up our space needs even further and we'll be adding significant fulfillment center and
10: transportation capacity in the second half of the year.
8: Hey, Melissa, uh, Mark Mahaney also just have to mention, our friend made a joke, said uh, he was super impressed by the profit. He asked, does Jeff know about this profit? What does he think about it? Because Amazon traditionally invests back in the business, but this is some of the highest level of profitability we've seen from this company. Back to you.
0: Wow. Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa or Debo. Um, Tammy, you're, you're talking about that, the ability to just sort of turn the spigot and display a profit when when wanted.
3: Well, it's it, what's a bit ironic here is I think that they were going to get a lot more uh, just of, of a pass in terms of showing profitability here. But but think about uh, operating income was expected to be around $1.2 billion uh, and where they came in. So, you know, clearly uh, some of these levers are ones that may be more one off and related to uh, some COVID related cost cuts. But um, I, I think Amazon is in charge of this number. Uh, I do think that we, we just talked a bit about how uh, the, the product mix was not necessarily in staples items uh, and higher, more higher margin mm-hmm. you know, products. But I, uh, I think we are getting to a place where Apple, excuse me, Amazon is going to be able to continue to increase that margin uh, based upon the penetration numbers that I talked about earlier. People are going to be buying everything across the board in e-commerce that, that have not been. And this is this is uh, not the beginning of the story, but we're not in the seventh inning. We're probably in the fourth or fifth.
0: All right. By the way, Facebook's call gets underway at 6 p.m., which is why we haven't talked about it in a while. But Facebook call again, 6 p.m. Up next, we've got the final trades. Time for the final trade, Tim.
3: Yeah, these numbers by Google were not awful. In fact, these YouTube revenues of 3.8 billion, I think, are pretty exciting. Google, the multiple, makes the most sense of the big four today. Google.
0: Steve.
5: You know, everyone that we talked about tonight has a connected speaker to your home. You know what a great asset would be? Sonos. So I'm still long and I think it
0: still goes higher. BK Brian Kelly. So
4: as good as these numbers were, my concern is that you get bad price action tomorrow. Why not buy some S&P puts? Buy the insurance when it's cheap.
0: Guy Dami.
2: Look at BK, and with all those fun gadgets you have, get yourself into one of those restoration hardware couches because analysts are going to have to start raising numbers, Mel. All
0: right. Good to see you all. Thanks for watching Fast. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.